Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it after the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 25, 50, 45. Here goes Davis. Oh, my God. This is going running all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. And tonight, hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Kick is blocked. Kick it to the who the hell are we and why should you listen to anything we have to say well as far as myself i have an mba Securities licenses and clients' net worth for decades for $15 million. They have $50 million. So you only can keep clients like that if you use decision science. You use logic and you use math and you have a vast network of people that you tap in to their knowledge to benefit your clients because because of my securities and licenses, I have a fiduciary responsibility to protect the public. Now, for me to make money and live a good lifestyle here in Southern California, I have to consistently make my client money. And more than that, provide them with the right intellectual financial resources so we all could be happy so i translate that my career who i am into sports betting to give you of all people the tools you need to put money in your pocket betting on college and professional sports why do i do that I do it because I just got tired of listening to the bullshit from ESPN, from Fox Sports. Constant ton, Big Ten channel, constant ton of just crap. So since I watch a lot of sports, since I have a lot of contacts in the sports industry, I decided to share information, good, solid I have a journalism background as well, well well-sourced information so we can all help each other get to the truth or at least get close to the truth. Elon Musk said, if you know the truth, you can predict outcomes. So what we do is we collaborate. The sports betting is about collaboration. We collaborate with each other to get as close to the truth as possible to predict outcomes. And since we live in a $134 trillion U.S. market, the richest country in the world, for now, there's enough money for everybody where we do not have to be over-competitive. But we teach decision science. We teach uh, mental health, mental health first aid kit. We teach... Uh, different methods, the nuts and bolts, right, of how to pick an investment. 
how to analyze an investment, right? And sports betting is an investment of your time and your money. So you have to have a very disciplined process. All right. So if you're the toughest, smartest person in any particular room, you are in the wrong room. I got a smart kid. You graduated from the University of Texas, right? Yes. I lived in Austin for like four years. Love Austin. Carlos and Travis are out there. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Lake Travis. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, it's hot right now in the summer, but it's nice to go to Lake Travis. I mean, downtown's six streets, a lot of fun. Just a lot of things to do. Barton Springs as well. I enjoyed my four years for sure. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And now you are writing for Sports Illustrated, DraftKings. Yeah, so do cover the Longhorns as well. I'll do uh write for a bet. It's called Bet Karma. It's a sports betting kind of fan, more focused on fantasy uh football. But we do I do uh the college football win totals for f- five of the ten conferences. And the one the podcast today is the American, and that's one of the conferences that I do and did very well as you did as well uh last year. So I'm excited against the spread last year. We made fifty thousand dollars. We want to make more. We want Adam Glick, right, to make more than fifty thousand dollars this year, yeah. betting on sports while well, we can. It's a this is a hundred and thirty four trillion dollar market in the U.S. Nothing lasts forever. We don't know how things are going to change, you know. But for now, we can we can pull it off. One hundred percent. One hundred percent, man. And just a little background. I think we met maybe four or five years ago. Things live. I know. Great Friends Sports Network, the Mighty 1090, San Diego, California. You were the New York Giants. I was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. <laughs> I remember it's crazy to think about that. I was, it's got to be at least five or six years now because I was still in high school when I was doing that. So that's awesome. So yeah. you all along made a lot of money, man, listening to my picks. But more important than that, the depth of knowledge using business and financial concepts. That translates to buying a house, what you'll be doing, setting up your portfolio, so your money outlives retirement, and it all kind of works together. It has to. Mm-hmm. All right. So the American Conference, 70% against spread last year. I was a little less than that. It saved me, right? Because I was a little less everywhere else. And before we get into it, I'd like to know your insight on two things. Uh, Steve Sarkeesio. They say he doesn't talk to, because as a wealth manager, there's always a big fight between fundamental analysis and technical analysis. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever made or gotten rich with technical analysis, which you see on CNBC or whatever, but people have gotten rich with fundamental analysis, right? And one of the big parts of fundamental analysis is corporate governance. And you were right there close as a student and student reporter access to the corporate governance of Steve Sarkeesian. So if you can speak to that a little bit, and I heard he's not really good with the media. And then number two, being a young kid, what's your take on how college football has changed? Because that's why my percentage overall last year, even though we made 50 grand, was a little lower because I did not measure correctly the transfer portal. And then summer, the NCAA rules that as long as you're taking summer classes, you can talk to your coaches. 
100%. To go off your first question about Coach Sark, I'm a big proponent, big fan of him. I think he's building, you know, a cult. It's all about culture in college football. And it takes a while to build it. And, you know, coming in, the expectations are sky high. I mean, they're Alabama-esque expectations year in and year out. So he needs to really get into the program and instill you know, his style, which obviously tailors towards more of an offensive style. Um, But he was doing a lot of play calling last year on the offense. I think if he might need to take a step back and really trust his assistant coaches um, because the talent is there. It's just overcoming some of the issues late in game. And that's about execution more than just blaming it on the players or the coaching staff. And that takes time because to be a group, there are a lot of good teams out there in college football because you have the resources and Texas has the resources. They have the most resources it's probably of any team. $200 million athletic. Yeah, exactly. They have the most resources probably of any college sports team in America. And it just, it's about, using those resources to the highest level, but it takes time. And that's, you know, in this day and age, people don't want to be, take the time. They're not patient. So I think this year is going to start, he's going to start building off of what he's built at Texas last year. I mean, if you don't watch every game, like I do being a Texas fan, I mean, they were a few snaps away from winning three, you know, changing their record by three games. They, They won, I think eight games, in the regular season, lost the bowl game to Washington, but Bijan's a lot of players didn't play in that game. But they lost a few games by literally one or two plays. The Oklahoma State game lives in my brain, you know, in Stillwater still today. I mean, you flip those games and they're a te- double digit win team. And that's what their win total is more tailored towards this year at nine and a half. Obviously, Arch is the guy on campus, but he's not going to start. It's going to be Quinn right. at the quarterback position. I think, you know, Arch deserves a redshirt year and give Quinn his last chance. He started to show flashes of him really getting, you know, more accustomed to this offense last year towards the end of the season. He really struggled, especially against TCU, you know, in the mid part of the season, they, they couldn't score at home in that game. But I think he and coach shark have a really good relationship. Um, Obviously, you know, he's not great with the media coach Sark, well, you can't, you know, just because you're not great with the media doesn't mean you're a good coach, right. uh, not a good coach. So I think I'm really inclined. I'm really positive about the trajectory of Texas football this year. Obviously, next week, if I'm back on, I'll talk about, you no, know, yeah, you're definitely coming on. <laughs> no, no, I know. I know. I'm excited. But, you know, I, I I'll like drag you from San Diego, not too far away here. In <laughs> yeah, I, I like the over, but we'll save that for next week. But next week, I think, the, yeah. I think Texas is going to win the Big 12. I think it's really down this year. Also, their last year to make a statement before moving right. over to the SEC. But uh, I'm really excited. And then to answer your second question about just for me, I don't know about you, you know, because as you alluded to, all the changes in the NIL stuff in right. college football, you know, I try to at least keep a lot of my unit size bets in, you know, betting against the spread to not a minimum, but I try to limit it in the first couple of weeks because there's so much change, so much turnover that you really don't know who's that great and who's not that great. Like last year, there are some major upsets in about, I think week two, Notre Dame lost to Marshall. 
Texas right. A&M lost to App State, but those teams didn't end up being good football teams because they have the brand name. But you know, you got to see how the roster actually fits. It's even a trip to the beginning thing. I'm sure Kirk Sharks says that every day. <laughs> exactly. So for me, I I really want to see the first couple weeks play out. Also, just playing teams from other conferences, you're not accustomed to how they play style of football. But for win totals, that's different. And that's why I go hard on these win totals to really look at their schedule, look at how good I think they're going to be. And as you talked about before the show started, with like a team like Vanderbilt, finding those built-in wins right. that could help you decipher if you like the over or the under. So I think there's a few teams we'll get into, I'm sure, in this conference, but there's a few spots I really like in the American. And last year, I was 7-3-1. and three and one with the win totals in the American plus six units. Obviously your unit size is probably bigger than mine, but six units in a conference going, picking every single team is very good. So I'm excited to try to do that this year, but you know, you talk about all the turnover and NIL stuff in the college football. I mean, American says the most you've had, four teams leave the conference. You got some new teams coming in. So it's hard to really get, you know, know the sense of these teams, but I think it will play into some of the teams we'll get into their hands because it'll make the conference a lot easier. And also on the other end, I think some teams are moving up that are going to take some time because the American is a step above some of the mid like the conference USA where some of these teams are coming from, it's a step up in the American. So I think that's going to take some time with some of those teams that we'll get into like rice. I think rice is going to be atrocious. Right. No, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Like developing talent, you know, I don't have any kids. So it's always good to develop talent. Chad, he might be on today. Uh, And one is skill. Then I know my my wife runs a mental health clinic. And one skill that's lacking, I think, with young people that you can develop with uh, sports uh, betting is the skill of being able to read people and mm-hmm. being able to, what they call measure of the man. So, and it's a great skill to develop, and it will make you millions of dollars now, you know, you know starting out in your career. And it goes to fundamental analysis and leadership skills. Which coaches can blend in talent? Great NBA coaches do this. And it's an art and a science. Being able to blend talent, being able to team build, being able to deal with different personalities fast. Right? You know, kind of have a sense for people. Being able to read people. And some coaches can do it. Some coaches can't. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley did it. One year, he turns out they went, you know, twice as many games they did with Gomer Halton, right? Uh, some coaches can do it in one year. Uh, Coach Kelly at LSU did it on a high level, right? Some coaches can't. And mm-hmm. some coaches need a little bit of timing to do it. And how they develop their staff, how they put their staffs together. So we have a process that's made us a lot of money. We like sharing it with people. Uh, once we get going with the AAC, again, we looked at corporate governance. We're going to talk a lot about the coaches. Uh, number two is, let me know your thoughts. You can disagree, right? That's how you learn. Mm-hmm. I got as much to learn from you as you do from me. Uh, offensive line controls the game. So you have your differences between your blue bloods and your developmental teams. 
There's only a few blue bloods. My definition of blue bloods won a neat recent national championship or been close, right? Mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama, Texas won it in 2009 with, with uh, Vince Young. They're blue bloods. They have a ton of money, ton of big money alumni, right? They, they can pay for a lot of things. Exactly. Uh, and they have resources. And they have great talent. Now, Nick Satan, right? They call him Nick Satan for a lot of reasons. I think he exploits flavor. But Nick Satan not only is a good judge of talent, he also develops the talent. And Sark came, you know, he learned a lot from that. Pete Carroll did the same thing. Sark came from that from that coaching tree. Not all coaches can do that, right? Some coaches, you know, and blending in the talent, blending in the personality. Very important. Then you have developmental teams. The AAC has some really great developmental coaches. Coaches who won national titles at the lower level, right? Tulane coach won the FCS title in 2014. So these are just guys who live, eat, and drink, and neglect their kids, their wife, everything. All they do is think about football. <laughs> and they can develop these Truco guys, anybody, blend them in, and, and they're ready to go, right? So you got to see how good a coach is at developing uh, talent, what they did when they were cutting the grass, as well as being that coach at the lower levels where they winning. Had no excuses, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big thing you look at. And then the more football you play, the better are you at. So uh, Texas, Alabama can bring in talent and be good right away. A team like East Carolina will need two or three years to develop their talent. And teams, uh, coaches recruit in two-year cycles. So you got to look at their year one of the cycle or year two of the cycle. Year two, they're going to cover for you. Year one, they're not. What are your thoughts on that uh, before we get going into uh, USDA? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. You got to see, you know, you brought up East Carolina. They Last year, they were a great story. Uh, they made a very profitable team winning eight games. Right. No one expected them to even compete for let alone an American athletic title. Um, But, you know, we'll see. We'll get into them this year. I'm not as high on them this year. But, you know, you talk about those developmental teams. Yeah, it's about finding those guys that, you know, people might overlook in developing them because they don't have the resources like Texas and the Blue Bloods of getting in the top five-star talents. But it's about building a team like a roster that fits your team and your style as a coach. And, you know, these smaller developmental teams, some coaches have done an excellent job. The first team that we're about to get into, I mean, that is a perfect example. I mean, they were, you know, one of the worst teams in division one. And now they're a perennial competing for a new year six bowl as a group of five team. It's a great story in UTSA. Yeah. And let's get a corporate governance coach, Troy Taylor. He's a great Texas recruiter. So what the top five states for recruiting would be Texas, California, Louisiana, Florida, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. So you could recruit just Texas and do good, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So you were in that area, Austin area. Uh, Coach Taylor, coach, uh, coach for Coach Mack. He cannot get like upper division one because of his background. Forgot what he did, but it's really bad with nobody will hire. 
He's a good coach, though. He's I'm a great very coach, high great recruiter, right? Yeah. Good people guy. Knows everybody in the state of Texas. Uh, as a, I think as a high school coach, wasn't that the title? The 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 state title in Texas, where you go to uh, Jerry Jones World, win the state title, and he's done a great job. It's his, you know, he's a total coach. He knows how to make adjustments on the fly. Uh, great judge of talent. Great developmental talent. And I remember, if I remember correctly, San Antonio is only like a couple hours away from Austin. It's one. It's literally like San Diego to Orange County. It's about an hour without traffic. Okay, so it's been an hour, and then from San Antonio to Houston, it'd be like what three hours? Three hours, San Diego to you know LA ish kind of distance. Right. They have that, you know. We'll talk about it. They have that good relationship with Houston, the home and home that they'll be on the road this year to open up right. their season. They have a good relationship with all the Texas teams because they played the Longhorns last year. Right. Coach Jeff J- uh, Taylor. Troy Taylor is Stanford. He's doing really good. Coach Jeff Taylor. And can you speak to the population growth in that area? The fact that Coach Taylor can just recruit that area and have an excellent team. Yeah. I mean, you know, because, you know, being, you know, living in California, just a lot of people have migrated over from California to right. Texas. The football talent and t- i mean the state of texas people don't realize because i've driven home from austin back to right. san diego before it's a brutal drive but people don't realize just how big the state is it's closer from san diego to el paso than it is wow. from el paso to austin which is crazy wow. to think about um but the talent there is just it's you know even kind of oversaturated there's just so many players and uh middle of nowhere texas that you can find and you can recruit and te- people i also did some announcing for high school football in oh, texas nice. yeah it's it's so awesome. yeah there's such a different experience than because i went to tory pines great football school don't get me right, wrong right. in san diego and they take it very seriously but going from that to going into some of these huge stadiums like 7500 you know uh, capacity stadiums and they kind of wow. when i get there i'm like oh my god this looks like a college stadium um they take it very seriously every night to sell out on fridays that's the biggest thing in some of these smaller towns uh but the talent there is really really good i did the second division behind westlake which is the top 6a in texas high school football though the talent pool is quite amazing and you know coach taylor has really done a nice job with this utsa team uh, they're really explosive and fast on the offensive end. They are also really good up front on defense. The question, as you talked about with some of these teams, is the offensive line. That is a little bit of a question I have with this team. But if I had to, you know, I think they're going to be in the AAC title game if I had to make a prediction right now. Uh, I think they're really, really good. Um, I think the, them and Tulane, even SMU, they'll compete for this American crown. And uh, I mean, they've been 20, they're 23 and five in the last two years and speaks of how great they've been. They'll be a perennial team again this year, competing for New Year's Six Bowl. And they were they return a legit stud quarterback in Frank Harris, who is so explosive because he's not just a great thrower pocket passer, but he can run and he gets out of so many situations. He's such he's almost like a um, comparison kind of like a Michael Vick uh, I would give his comparison to. And I, I'm really high on him. And, you know, 
for me, the offense line is most important. But if you have a capable and a really talented quarterback, I like those teams over teams that might have, you know, a really good running back or good receiver. I think quarterback is such an important position, especially with the developmental teams, because that kind of sets the difference on some of these teams. So, I mean, I could talk all day about UTSA just because they're close to home for me in Austin. I know a lot about them. I think I'm in love with this team and I know the total is very juiced right now but I would still definitely consider it at only seven and a half, which I think is criminal. I think it's criminal. Um, I know they have a difficult (laughs) schedule, but I mean, I would, I mean, I don't usually put multiple units on a win total, but I mean, just looking at seven and a half and I have their schedule pulled up here. I mean, I talk about guaranteed wins. Yeah. I have the real, uh, the link to the top 10 rules of betting and I'll send you a link, uh, you never bet more than 25% of your bankroll. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I bet half my bank, uh, half of 25% on the Vanderbilt over. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's a decision you have to make. Money management, you make more money than anything else. Yeah. Uh, he has five starters back on the offensive line. Okay. And he's bringing in Juco talent. So that's important that he knows the high school area, guys who are going to develop, guys who – you know, they can't be on the Texas campus because they killed someone in high school. They got juvie. They're out of jail. They go to Druco. They can go to UTSA. They can't go to us. Exactly. But another big thing to consider is the realignment within the conference, which will favor a team like UTSA, because a lot of the big boys have left to the Big 12 this year in right. Cincinnati, UCF. I know Houston's going to be down. But, you know, losing Cincinnati and UCF, those are big losses. Those are perennial, you know, top teams in the conference. So I think it will favor teams like Tulane and UTSA this year. And I'm looking at the schedule. I mean, they had their win total seven and a half. I have six guaranteed. I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but I have six almost lock wins looking at the schedule right now in front of me. And their hard road games other than Tulane. Are they're probably going to be favored in all of those games? And the no, non I can't, you know, I'll lean on you because you never bet your own team. But November 17th, a Friday night at USF, it's going to be problematic because even if USF is having a down year, it's going to be towards the end of the season. And another and two lane next, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, another nugget that's very important is. Finding out, right? And I give you this homework for Texas. Finding out what grudges coaches have between each other and which games are they targeting. Mm -hmm. Which game is the recruiting game where they have all the recruits on the sidelines, big money alumni there. They're targeting this game and they send out private detectives and they know every single thing about that team. Believe me, Sark has a private detective. You probably had one of these last year. They, they had it with <laughs> – I remember they had the game with Oklahoma State, not last year, but two years before. That's when Arch literally came to Austin. Right. All the Ray recruits, they lost a heartbreaker, and I thought it was over. I thought right. after that game, Arch sees us lose in heartbreaking fashion. We're not going to get him. But luckily, we were at least good enough, uh, so we were able to get him. But, yes, 100%. What games are they targeting? Let me tell you, 1,000%. UTSA is targeting that November 25th game right after Thanksgiving at Tulane, who, right. you know, had that incredible year last year. Right, and that might be a game USF targets, right? Because each coach has, you know, Sark would be a great example 
the, the coach at USF will we'll get into. Every coach has. Now, Coach Flood, who's a great coach, does more with less, did a great job at Rutgers. He's the offensive coordinator at Texas. Him and Sark have plays in their back pocket. They don't show anybody to win one particular game. Yeah. They're for sure, they're plays where guys are oh, wide open, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're going to use it that game. So as a sports better, once you targeted that game, been easy money for me the last 10 years, 10, 15 years. 100%. Um, but, I mean, I want to get your thoughts. Seven and a half, I really like this spot for UTSA. I mean, I'm looking at, you know. I'm about to say that now because at Houston – uh, the coaches know each other. They recruit against each other. Houston brought in 40 guys after spring practice. Coach Dana Hawkerson, he's an alcoholic, right? We say this is the thing, right? This is real talk. This is business. We're putting hard-earned money on the line. Yeah. So we give you information that major sports media can't give you. That's a great thing about the podcast. And uh, I was talking to Adam about my journalism shops, right? Don Banks, NFL Hall of Fame, Pointer Institute of Media Studies. A lot of uh, teachers won Pulitzer Surprise in the New York Times, right? So you always, nothing's true unless you got two sources, right? You can verify with public records. Mm-hmm. For this, blah, blah, blah. So that's where we come with a foundation, right? And we'll have rules for evidence and stuff on the episode notes of the podcast. So we're dealing with direct evidence that you can take to court, we can testify. So Dana Holgerson is an alcoholic. Several DUIs. He's hard to get along with, right? That's why he has huge roster turnover, unless you're a Dell, somebody who, you know, Dell's second-round draft pick, who's one of his favorites, everybody else is on the shit list. They're saying 40 new guys. So I think it's going to be hard for him to blend people in quickly. He's getting ready for the Big 12. Yeah, and their win totals in the, like, four or four and a half. So that so t- should you tell said- you about UTSA winning that game. Right, because Coach Taylor is targeting this game for recruiting purposes, mm-hmm. and they lost in triple overtime last year. So he has more guys coming back. He has five starters coming back on the offensive line. Juco guys he knows. I really like them in that game. So that could be one. Texas State to be a game that should win. Army is going to be interesting. At Tennessee. Played them last year. That's another home and home. They lost, or I think they won actually that game against Army in multiple overtimes as well. Yeah, 41 38. Mm-hmm. So that could be two possibly at Tennessee hard, but coming off a of bye week to go to Temple, that should be a win. UAB, right? That's four at FAU. We'll get into that. Either way, at uh, East Carolina at home should be a win. North Texas Rice win. USF could be a win, but it's hard to get up and then at Tulane. So yeah, seven and a half is good. I like seven and a half. Uh, we're making you money on the podcast. It's actionable information, purpose and outcome, right? To do yeah. the research, outcome, $50,000 last year. We want to make more this year. For, personally, for me, I can't see UTSA winning less than eight games. I right. just can't see it. They look good. And they're an exciting team to watch, too. Yeah, they are. I best use of the time, right? You bet the game and you enjoy watching uh, UTSA, they're in a great area, growing area, San Antonio. Yeah, and I like betting on teams that are capable of winning basically every game they play in. Right. You know, that's the other component. Like, other than maybe the Tennessee game, they could win every other game on their right. schedule. So, 
And the thing about coaches that won titles, and we'll get into a few coaches that won titles at lower divisions from Center High School, they know how to adapt and they know how to think on the fly, which is a good business skill. So they know how to they have an injury and they know how to blend things up and they know how to strategize before games. They to, they're close to even, they'll end up winning. And Coach Taylor's that type of coach, which is use your money. Seven and a half, yeah, definitely over. UTSA. Next thing we'll look at again, we're going back to the state of Texas. Uh, SMU Mustangs. Coach Lashley. Coach Lashley, uh, offensive coordinator for Gus Malzahn when they went to uh, the national championship game with, uh, I forgot the quarterback's name, but uh, he's won the Royals Award or been up to it. He's a great recruiter, great personality guy. He's like a Christian guy. We're not, we don't talk about religion or politics. We're just talking about his habit. So he's not mm-hmm. drinking and skirt chasing, right? <laughs> he's at home coming up with game plans or calling recruits. Uh, he has a great network of coaches. You have to have a good business network of coaches to get you guys in there. They return 123 starts on that offensive line. Uh, teams, again, they recruit in two-year cycle. I feel this is the second year of two-year cycle for them, for SMU. Uh, they score a lot of points. They're going to be very, very exciting. And we'll get into the Big 12, the totals, because the Big 12 used to be overly, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to watch it, right? Because Vegas takes advantage of that, puts the total in the 70s or 80s. You got to think, okay, this Oklahoma State game is going to go under, right? Derek Mason says be for the corner as it was last year. This game's going under. You make a lot of money that way. We did. Same thing with SMU. So SMU is an over team, but you got to watch it. Especially this year, again, you got if you live in the past, you die in the past. You can't use the strategy from 2022 and 2023. And a big factor in totals this year is going to be the rule change where the clock keeps going after people go out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So in 12, Big 12 Media Days, Mullethead over there at Oklahoma State was saying the teams are going to shut things down and put it on the running game. So instead of two-minute drill, it's going to be six-minute drill. That's going to keep some teams under, especially for those sports books that use historical numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be taking candy from a baby early on in the season before they make that adjustment. I see that with Coach. They were seven and six last year. They returned eight on offense, eight on defense. Uh, I like the corporate governance here. Uh, looking at their defensive coordinator, he's in the second year there. And a very interesting statistic Kyle Winningham came up with. They say you win uh, championships with defense, right? Again, that's not true now. I think 45% of games, the determining factor was offense. 35% was defense and 15% was special teams. Right? So, him being an offensive coach, a primo offensive, you know, he knows how to recruit offensive talent, develop offensive talent. Uh, what are your thoughts on SMU, Adam? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're 100% all offensive oriented team. I mean, they gave up almost 34 points last year. They really didn't do a lot to address some of those issues on the defensive side of the ball, but they did 
wonders, I think, in the portal on offense. They replaced some players from high-power schools to come to their school. Jordan Hudson's going to be a star from TCU. I know him uh, from playing against him with Texas. Uh, They lost Rasheed Rice, who was one of their top players last year. But they have a good young quarterback in Preston Stone. I mean, they're going to score a lot of points the question is how bad is their defense going to really be their win total at least on my book right now is sitting at eight Um, that's also juice similar to UTSA but the key thing you you know personally I think UTSA is a better going to do better and be a better team than SMU but the key thing about SMU's schedule is they don't play UTSA or Tulane who are projected to be the two top teams in the American. And if you look at their schedule, their home games are basic, you know, there's no buy games, but their home games are almost all guaranteed wins. Louisiana right. Tech, Prairie View AM, Charlotte, Tulsa, North Texas, and Navy. That gets you six guaranteed wins. The total is sitting at eight. They're going to lose the Big 12 games. They're not going to upset OU and TCU, in my opinion. OU's a chance. Oh, never know. Never know. They could maybe uh, go to OU. I think TCU, though, is a, a long shot. Um, but it is a rivalry game, TCU-SMU. So something to keep in mind. Um, right. And that's definitely, you talk about games being circled. That's definitely a game SMU will circle right. on their calendar. Uh but their road games, they're not even that challenging considering that they don't play UTSA or Tulane. I mean, they go to Temple, who could be a surprise given how bad they've been recently. East Carolina, a game that could go either way. After but a bye. After a yeah, bye after a bye, which I love betting teams after a bye personally. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Rice, Rice, in my, we'll get into Rice, but I think Rice is going to be probably near the bottom of this conference. So any team that's playing Rice this year in this conference, I think they're going to win. Uh, in Memphis, we'll talk about them. Definitely a hard game. But I look at the schedule, you know, again, when these totals are not at a half, they're at a hold number, like in eight at SMU, I'm thinking, is there any way I'm going to lose with them going seven, right? right. You know, if, if I can at least push, you know, if I think they're at least going to push, I think it's worthwhile to bet them because uh, if you push, nothing happens. And if you win, you know, you make money, obviously, but you know, those half numbers sometimes get you, especially in win totals, but I like it. It's at eight. Personally, I'm not going to bet heavy on it. I would lean over, but I'm not super confident about it, but I do think this team will probably at least get eight wins because that schedule is really easy other than the two big 12 teams in my opinion. Because that at, at TCU, there's a lot of things going on with that. Prairie year and then means they basically have a bye week before that. Yeah. They're not traveling. Both teams are in Dallas. Uh, so that's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, depending on what happens at Oklahoma, uh, Deion Sanders came after Brent Venables today. Those guys know each other in their position. But the way Deion went after Venables, there's something about Venables that's a weakness and people smell blood in the water. Because he never really had been a head coach. He's always followed on people's coattails, Dabo and Bob Stoops. So who knows where this guy can really coach? He really uh, screwed the pooch last year at Oklahoma. And they're going to the SEC. Doesn't look good at Oklahoma right now. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that'll be a very interesting game at TCU. And then they play a lot. Remember, teams recruit in two-year cycles. You have to think 
brand new coaches at a place where you don't have blue blood resources, you got to think year one must be a developmental year. And they're playing a lot of first year coaches, right? Charlotte, the guy's in his first year. Temple, Coach Drain's in his second year. He's always been a running backs coach. He was mm -hmm. never even a coordinator. Uh, yeah, Temple, Tulsa, Kevin Wilson. Uh, he has a losing record as a head coach. Has always been on power coattails at Oklahoma and Ohio State, right? And he doesn't recruit because he's not a people person. He's a great X's and O's guy, but has a horrible personality, right? So that's Tulsa at Tulsa, uh, at Rice, then at North Texas, first year head coach. At Memphis, going to be tough. Then at Navy, first year head coach. So, so the over is definitely a good play in this situation. Yeah, I agree. The schedule is just too easy not to. If you're going to bet it, you got to lean towards the over. Right, and they're going to be very exciting. All right. So next thing we're going to look at is Coach Willie Fritz. He's in his eighth year at Tulane. The uh, man they beat USC with a lot less talent. They crazy game USC schematically, and this is that type of coach. He beats you with strategy, right? Uh, my ex will beat your O, Lincoln Riley, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You got the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, and they went up and down the field. USC never stopped them at all. And coach won the 2014 FCS national title. What that says to me is he knows how to make adjustments on the fly. Uh, he neglects his family. All he does is hang out with the football coaches and is watching, sleeps three hours a day, sleeping in the office, and it's getting his team ready to play wherever he has, right? Uh, in Tulane, they're in that area. They're Louisiana again, right? So you have Texas, Louisiana, top five high school states, and marginal utility. Uh, Dojkovic, right, or Joker. I forgot how you say his last name. But he was 200th tennis player, right? Grand 200. Mm -hmm. He changed his stroke percentage 0.001 and becomes one of the greatest players of all time. So maybe Chad will come on, but he can speak to it because he played college football. Uh, let me know your thoughts on this. You have the first 1,000 recruits out there, right? Top 200, elite. You can't touch them, right? But 201 to 1,000, they're all the same. If you go to the weight room, you work out. Right, you work on your technique. You do extra effort. The thousandth player could be just as good as two hundred one. And then I agree. Yeah. And then the middle part of it, right, and grades and stuff. You get you kicked out of Texas. You go to JUCO for two years. You're still a really good player to play in any one of these schools. So them sitting in in Louisiana, getting those SEC transfers, you know, from SEC schools, uh, he should have a good team every year over there in Tulane. The two-lane green waves. He knows a lot about football. The defensive coordinator was at Troy last year. He was an Army before that. Uh, special teams coach used to be the special teams coach for uh, Payton, Coach Payton at New Orleans Saints. Has a great staff. And he has. Again, you look at roster management, right, which is big with corporate governance with college coaches. And roster management for him, he has 130 career starts coming back on that offensive of line, right? To control the game, the six-minute offense at the end of the game to win. Uh, what are your thoughts on the green wave total? 
On the total, I agree. I think they're going to compete for the top of this conference. I think they're going to be really good. But I will say this, and I think Vegas does this on purpose sometimes. Right. Base, maybe that win, which incredible as it was against USC, it factors a little bit into their total this year. If you look at this schedule, it is really difficult in my eyes. I think they got a lot of games that could go either way, and their total sitting at nine and a half, very high number. They're going to be a good team, but there are way too many games I see on the schedule where they could lose. and right. Including South Alabama. South yeah, Alabama. people don't realize South Alabama's a really good team. They could probably win the Sun Belt this year. They won 10 games last year. Um, they're a really good team. Of course, team. you're welcome to come on on anyone, but the Fun Belt, so it's funny, the Fun Belt's one of the, next to the SEC and Big Ten, was the highest rated podcast. The I, I love the, I love the Fun Belt, personally. I'm a huge App State advocate, so yeah. uh, definitely a big fan of that, and it's a good, con- it's an underrated conference, but South yeah. Alabama's a really good team. They easily could lose that game. Old Miss, I mean, it's, that's awesome that they get Old Miss different. to come. To two two lane, that's they get a home game in that game, but they're I already looked at that spread. They're already a touchdown underdog in that game. Southern Miss is no slouch on the road, uh, uh, but then you know they play UTSA as we talked about last game of the year. That's a hard game at Memphis. Is not going to be easy. UAB, you always get a decent effort out of UAB. Always an eight plus win. Trent Dilfer, I, I have serious doubts about Trent Dilfer being in over his death. Uh, we'll look at his staff, and he didn't really. When when you're Trent Dilfer, you really need a couple, two, three former assistant coaches on your staff to help you out. Yeah, I think he's in a tough spot. Um, and I agree. And you know, we'll get into this team as well. I think this is a sleeper team in the uh, American as they moved up. FAU, I think, could be a sneaky team this year, yeah. and they get them on the road a week ahead you know, a week before UTSA. And I just feel like that Tulane UTSA game is going to have implications for the conference title. And the, both of those teams respectively could be overlooking their matchups like the USF game for U, UTSA. Right. I think they could overlook FAU a little bit. And they obviously have the Texas Tom, Tom Herman. I know all about him. Not the <laughs> highest. Of oh, we're going to have fun talking then. Yes. Yeah, not the highest of you know things to right. say about him but very interesting he's still very a good coach i think he right. is a good coach uh he's had some problems though right. but um speaking on two lanes win total this is a team that you know we first two teams, easily go in for yeah this is the first two teams i if you're if you're listening to this like i really favor right. those overs i think you should bet them but with two lane Personally, I think you should favor their under. And I'm really high on Tulane. It's just nine and a half is a really high number for this team. And I think the line is indicative of what they did a little bit last year, winning double-digit games, winning the conference title, and winning their New Year's Six Bowl in incredible fashion against USC. If you're a college football fan, everyone knows and everyone watched those final minutes of that USC game. So that is going to factor in to the public betting interest of favoring Tulane. That's why you take advantage if you're a smart better and bet they're under. So I'm exactly. under on nine and a half. We're in business with Vegas, I call it. <laughs> Taking people's money on that over, man. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. So, yeah, no, definitely. I see eight and four. Uh, at Memphis, it's going to be tough. Uh, really, at East Carolina, it's going to be tough. They could lose to South Alabama. I think they could have two losses in the first two weeks of the season. Right. right. So that's for four right there. Easy. Really, maybe five. They could go seven and five. 
which is still a good. Uh, New Orleans is one of the poorest cities in the world. Uh, Tulane, yeah. those struggle. He's a, this guy's brought the most success to Tulane because the Mac Brown years like forty years ago. <laughs> so seven and five is good for Tulane. But how awesome would it be if you bet there on if you're a better and you're listening oh, yeah. to this right now? You're on September 9th. You're just starting the college football season and Tulane's already <laughs> 0 and 2, and you need him to lose one more game to win your bet. So I, I love this personally. Why not? And you enjoy the college football season more. So yeah. big time. So that's your Tulane Green Wave under. So we make money off their games. All right. Next thing we'll look at is your Memphis. Uh, Tigers. What's interesting about them is Coach uh, Silverfield. He's the opposite of Dana Holgerson, right? He's a people person. Uh, he's well liked. He's a great recruiter, great judge of talent. His shops, what he does camps on, is offensive line play. So you have to measure can the person recruit talent? And even if they haven't played, you don't have the career starts high. Career starts really don't mean that much for you know for your blue bloods, Ohio State. Texas, right? Because those guys are uber talented. Uh, career starts mean a lot for developmental teams. Memphis, since he's a specialist in the offensive line, is not that big a deal. And he knows uh, what to look in Juco guys to bring him in. Memphis has uh, six on offense, six coming back on defense. That Tennessee area, that SEC area, big recruiting base for him. All right, so they have uh, 62 starts on the offensive line, and they had Juco guys. Then they're in the 80s. As long as you're in the 60s, you're okay. If you're below 60 and you're a developmental team, you got to look at them being in trouble, right? Uh, Batoon, Cook, Command, Arkansas State, Navy, Missouri, Boise State, by then Tulane, UAB, North Texas, USF, Charlotte, SMU, and Tulane. So, what do you think about the win total for the Memphis Tigers? Yeah, on my book right now, Memphis is sitting at eight and a half, which I think is a little high, but they do have a favorable schedule. Uh, the teams you named, I mean, they realistically could start the season at least three and oh, if not. That Arkansas State game is going to be tricky, right? Because you have the ex coach, yeah, Tennessee, and this is his last chance. Yeah, and they played Arkansas State as the home and home. Uh, last year, and they almost beat them, Arkansas State, in Memphis. So it's a tricky game, don't get me wrong. Right. Missouri's a winnable game, you know, neutral site. Missouri's, you know, near the bottom. Oh, sure with, yeah, they're not world beaters. Yeah, Boise State is going to be good. Um, I definitely favor them to be one of the top teams in the Mountain West. But it's a winnable game because it's at home. And they play Tulane at home. They avoid UTSA. I, I don't know. I'm not super high on Memphis. That's why I'm not like loving this over. Um, there's just a lot of unknown with Memphis right. with Silverfield. He's 11 and 13 in the conference since he's been there. He really just hasn't gotten over that hump. So I just don't know if I'm trusting him to get over that hump and, you know, bang out this win total for you at nine. Yeah, and it's also like eight and a half. Yeah, I just, he's never been a coordinator. Yeah. Offensive line recruiter. You know, and then you got to look at study how, and I'll, I'll ask you this next week, how the coach sets up their staff. Some coaches want the, the coach to be able to know their X's and O's and recruit. Some people like Nick Satan, six national titles, 
He has his X's and O's coaches, and he has guys who are just full time recruiters. Don't he doesn't want him anywhere near the, the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll yell at a player during a drill, but he doesn't <laughs> want him strategizing. He's in none of those meetings. He's out there recruiting, right? So both ways work. This guy's a recruiter. He knows nothing about X's and O's. He knows nothing about strategizing, but he can recruit. So they have a lot of talent. So they'll win games you don't think they'll win, and they'll lose like they'll lose to Arkansas State, but might be able to beat uh, Missouri. Yeah, yeah I I think I would favor their under. This is a right. game, a team that I wouldn't go heavy on either way, but I would favor. You their have under. to have a clear edge, right? Yeah, you have to have a clear edge uh, to put your hard money on it, and there's no clear edge on the total with Memphis. Yeah, and you just because. You know, it's a Memphis, and they might be a shiny team. Doesn't mean you have to bet it. You you know, you need to be a good better. You got to learn to you know sometimes just stay away from a team that you don't have a sharp edge from. So for me, I'm staying away from this total with Memphis. Big time. So you gotta look at. I like Arkansas State in this game. I forgot the name of the coach. We'll have it when we do the fun belt. But he what did a good job. He is a disciple of Kelly. Won national titles at lower level. I think, you know, was, um, it's in Wisconsin, that school. Then he goes to Cincinnati, coordinator with Coach Kelly, who's the head coach at LSU. He does a good job with Cincinnati. He goes to Tennessee. He was over his depth at Tennessee, then becomes an analyst with Nick Satan. Now he's at Arkansas State. Home game, second game, you know, they're friends. Uh, second game of the season. I like Arkansas State maybe to cover that number. Uh Navy, first-year coach, Missouri, Boise State, Tulane, UAB, North State. So there's four losses in there. So it could go either way. That's your Memphis Tigers. Now, this is going to be very interesting. Corporate governance. Tom Herman, because guys off the Urban Meyer tree. Now, Urban Meyer, again, Urban Meyer is a con artist. He won a national title, but he's pretty much a con artist. Uh, He did the whole Tim Tebow thing. He's won three national titles. I'll give him a reminder of that. But he hasn't been good at developing uh, coaches. None mm-hmm. of the, none of his coaches win anything. And he has two former disciples in the AAC, Coach Green and Temple and Tom Herman. Tom Herman wins the national title is, uh, with Ezekiel Elliott, right? At Ohio State. Uh, goes to Houston, goes 22-4. and four. But there's a lot of talent in the Houston area. People don't underestimate the amount of talent between the high schools between there and San Antonio. He goes to Texas and you were there, you saw it. And uh man, how did you mess that up, right? Five million dollar a year job, hundred million dollar budget. Uh, and in his first year he was great. So yeah. So what happened there with Tom Herman? What are your thoughts on Tom Herman? You saw him up close and personal. Yeah, I just don't think, you know, it worked out. I was honestly really high on him when we first uh, hired him because of all the great things he did previously um, at Houston. But, you know, it just it didn't sometimes it just doesn't work out. I don't think he did well at facing adversity. He's a great coach when things are going well, but when things are not going well, I don't think he lived up to his billing. And just it's a different magnitude of pressure and stress you know, when you're coaching a team like Texas and you're under the spotlight constantly throughout a season. And I think it just spiraled out of control a little bit because, you know, I was close to the program. I had people telling me, you know, players, have, you know, started to kind of 
grow away from Herman and you know when the players don't trust the coach it's just a complete and utter mess and I think towards the end of his tenure uh, that was the situation and I think Texas despite a quick you know tenure for Herman only be there three or four years I think it was the right decision to move on Um, with this FAU team I am thinking that they're going to get better this year. They're going to be a sleeper team. The question is, how much can they surprise you? And looking at their seven and a half win total, I, I kind of like the under because they actually have a, because of Herman in their brand name, they actually have a decent out of non, non-conference schedule in the fact that it's somewhat difficult. I mean, they go to two power five schools in Clemson and Illinois, both respectively, on the road and they play all the top teams in the, I mean, they play the two top teams in my opinion, in the conference and Tulane UTSA, they do get them at home, which will help. But this is another team where, you know, I like to go against uh, teams that are on the lower end of things in the non-power fives that might have, you know, a, a coach that everyone knows and that's Tom Herman and FAU. So I think Vegas will, factored in in at least early on in their uh, schedule to favor them with the spreads. And Ohio is no slouch of a team. I could easily see them losing that week two game. They play San Diego State actually in week zero. And I think I'm going to be betting Ohio. I'm actually really high on Ohio. Uh, I think they're a good team. They had a good year last year and uh, they play a really good brand of defense on, on the side of football. So I like FAU's under personally um but Herman, her, i just don't think he has enough pieces right now okay so one thing about reporting right you're a good reporter you look at something and it's one thing you can't go on it. you have to conform resources you have to do your research and the former coach at fau is willie tagger he coached for usf and willie tagger is a great recruiter great judge of talent but USF was losing until they got Desert Storm guy. Forget his name. I'll have it in the episode notes. He was the head coach of Arizona, Tommy. And he came in as an old coach and did the X's and L's. And that's when USF was good. Those are the only two years Willie Tallett, Taggart did good at USF. Mm-hmm. But he knows how to recruit talent. They have 113 stars coming back on the offensive line. So Tom Herman, right, timing is everything. At Houston, there was a great recruiter, right? They brought in a lot of great talent. Ed Oliver, right? Brought in Ed Oliver. So he had a lot mm-hmm. of talent. He's so he he can he knows how to drive a Cadillac. Uh good coaching hire and Edward Near. So Edward Near is a typical uh uh Coach uh, Urban Meyer scumbag, right? He's alcoholic, treats people horribly, but he's a great offensive line coach. So that's why he's not at a big school because of the problems he's had off the field. But he's a great guy over there at Florida. Florida doesn't care. Florida has the Al Capone law, right? Most people commit crimes. They get one, one-way bus ticket to Florida. So they don't care all the crimes that were near committed. They just care that he's a good offensive line coach. They have... Uh, 10 guys coming back on defense. So, Willie Taggart, really bad XSNL's guy, great at recruiting and developing talent. We're talking about Martin Beck, Dearson Johnson, all these guys in the NFL from USF that Willie Taggart recruited. 
this is a talented team. They have they have a lot of talent. Coach Herman has to redeem himself. So mm-hmm. 95% of people, Adam, do not learn from their mistakes. My wife's a psychotherapist, runs clinics, and it's hard to change. You know, things take some things have taken me 10 years. You've seen Tom Herman up close and personal. Can he change? Can he become a leader? Because he was just a follower, but really, can he lead? Is this guy going to change? Or he's so arrogant because he's made enough money that his great grandkids have money. He doesn't really have to change. This rich rancher client of mine from South Dakota said, Josh, people don't change unless they have to change. So Tom Herman doesn't really have to change. He's making $3 million a year. He should be worth $50 million already. He grew up poor. What do you think, Adam? Like, can he change? Can he learn from his mistakes? He he could, but you know, I'm as a betting this total, like right. I'm not gonna bet on it in his first year at FAU. No. Um yes, they're a talented team, and I as I said, I think they could be a sleeper team. They have a lot of talent, and they should in theory should be near the top of this conference based on talent alone. But get, as we know in sports, you know, especially in college sports, just because you have talent doesn't mean that you're going to have the success. And you talk about being a leader. That's a great point. I don't know if Herman is that leader for a team like FAU. I just don't know if he's the right guy at the helm for him to lead this FAU team. Looking at seven and a half, it's about even plus money a little bit on the over. I think it's better to bet the under in this case because Personally, I think they could be one and three out of the gate. Um, looking right. at their schedule, Monmouth, obviously, non-D1 school. Uh, they're D1 AA or whatever, so they'll right. win that game. They could easily lose to Ohio. They'll be heavy underdogs to Clemson. They'll be underdogs as well to Illinois, even though right. Illinois is not great, but still a Big Ten team on the road. Um, and then talk about your team. Like They could lose at USF. Easily, I could see that happening. UTSA is a recruiting game for USF where they know yeah. about FAU. That's and we, we talked about, yeah, we talked about UTSA. We both love their over. I think they're going to lose to UTSA. Uh, they could easily lose at UAB. ECU's a on a Friday night. We don't know about that. Friday night, the road teams on Friday night usually don't cover 100%. Yeah, I mean. Just, you know, you, you can back it up with the numbers. I'm just telling you that right. they're going to – I would bet the under in this case. I think they win seven games. I think they go seven and five, so it's going to be a little bit of a sweat for this win total. But as long as they don't upset anyone early on in the season, I think that you will win this bet. Uh, they'll win seven games, in my this opinion. This is the problem for him, right? Because uh, at Tulsa – uh. East Carolina, they play East Carolina, and at Rice, he can get out coached by the better coaches, who are leaders, who lead guys, just ragtag guys who should even be playing football, and they win titles at lower division, right? Uh, you know, and Kevin Wilson. So, yeah, I would lean the under really under seven, but I would and a half, uh, so yeah. So, but I would bet the under. At Clemson and at Illinois, because with 113 starts in the offensive line, and Ed Warnier as your offensive line coach, he would be a Hall of Fame offensive line coach assistant if he wasn't a drunk in a degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> so he can coach, right? Everything else I wouldn't trust him with. So I like the under because 
Clemson and Illinois have bigger fish to fry later in the season. They're not going to put in their game, best schemes to go against FAU. So that screams the under for me in both those situations. And Illinois is an under team anyway, uh, Brett Millo. They just don't have enough, uh, you know, quote-unquote locks or guarantee wins on the schedule for me to bet the over. That's right. the biggest thing. So so a team that's made me a lot of money. So that that's your FAU, man. We're giving people actionable information. And these teams that aren't marquee teams, believe me, there's a lot of people going to be chasing, oh, FAU is playing the late game. You better listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're making you money. Right? That's the word in college sports. These are the teams that, right. you know, the non-power five, this is where right. you make the bulk of your money. And in my yeah. experience, and I'm young, obviously you have way more experience than I do. And you would speak on this better than I would, but just in my experience alone, these are the teams where you make the money and not a lot of people time talk is about money. it. Time is money. That's why we're spending the time going through this and going through the summer. Because yeah. me, once fall comes, things get busy. You get the holiday season. You don't even have time to research FAU. And guess what? Yeah. Vegas is going to know early on in the year, right. but that's why we're doing this now before Vegas will catch up to exactly. Timing is everything. Making money with Adam Glick. Love it. Uh, this team has made me a lot of money, Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, they covered for me at South Carolina last year. They covered for me at South Carolina every year. I know who you're going to talk about. Yep. <laughs> East Carolina, the, uh, the under, right? They cover South Carolina every year. Uh, Coach Mike Houston. I love coaches like this. He coached at James Madison, built that program from nothing, won the national title like three years in a row. He can scheme any situation. He'll know how to solve it. And he has a definite philosophy. He likes those four-year starting QBs. Uh, Garcia, six foot five, has NFL talent. They lose Allers, who was a four-year starter. He likes that. He likes that system. This is a developmental year for them, but they do have that style. They will be in games. Uh, I believe. Let me look at their offensive line here. They do have a. I like this team too, but they're definitely in a more of a developmental year, as you indicated. Right. But their schedule. Is pretty daunting. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, they play a lot of good teams. At Michigan, Marshall, Appalachia State, they could be 0-3. Yeah. Web, at Rice, then they get a bye week with SMU, Charlotte, UTSA, Tulane, FAU, Navy, and Tulsa. What's their window total? Five and a half, um, which I think is a respectable number. Right. Like, I really, before I looked at the win total, I was like, I, I want to bet they're over whatever it is, but then looking at the schedule, you know, kind of gets me back the other way. I just don't know where I'm going to get my six wins from them because, right. yeah, Gardner Webb, there's one, but where are you going to get five more? At right. Yeah. That's it. So you only have two guaranteed wins. This good team could easily be four and eight. And they could still cover for you a lot. That's a different right. story than their win total. But right. for their win total, I think you got to bet the under. At Michigan, first game of the season, the under, they might, probably will cover. But teams that play hard, the hardball football, Mafia family, right? They usually lose the next week if they get beat up. Marshall's not a slouch. They have a good coach to beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame last year. 
So that's over to at Appalachian State. It's hard to win at Appalachian State. They have one of the best mid-major environments for college football. Right. And then at Rice, the head coach of Rice is best friends, right? He's part of the Harbaugh football mafia family. So he's going to get all the film, all the insight from his best friend at Michigan. So you're looking at one and three, bye week at SMU, one and four, Charlotte, two and four, at UTSA, two and five. Tulane, two and six at FAU, two and seven. Yeah, how are they getting six wins? How are they going to get the six wins? I love this under. Uh, You got to love the under. There's a clear edge to the under. Only four guys on offense. This is a developmental team. There's only four guys coming back on offense, six on defense. Rebuilding year. Man, I bet that under bet. And this is where, you know, we'll bet the under and make money, but a lot of people might bet the over just because of how great they were last year. They won eight games. Right. Uh, and though they won't even look, some people, which is crazy to me, they won't even look at the schedule. They'll just be like, "This team, they're good. They're winning. They're over." You got to look at the schedule. That is where the money is. We talk about these guaranteed wins, these right. losses. Like, you look at this schedule for a team not in Power Five. I mean, this is pretty daunting. This is the hardest schedule of the teams we've gone over so far that I've seen. So right. I love the under. I love this. So this is a very clear edge. I'm betting that right after we get off the podcast. Same. <laughs> under uh, East Carolina because they're screaming right now. I could see them go uh, two and ten, yeah, two and three and nine. I would be stunned if they won five games, let alone six right. to for you to lose. Yeah, we can East Carolina. I remember last year that easy field. They had a good field goal kicker. He just showed. Mentally, they had that South Carolina game once. And this is a this is a team that you know they could be profitable for you with spreads, but bet they're under. A team that reminds me of East Carolina with this is UL Monroe. They've been a money machine right. spread wise for me, uh, but they don't win a lot of games. So this is another similar team in my eyes. They have great coaching. Uh, the son of Bobby Bowden's on there. He, he has a great network. Mm-hmm. He's covered for me a lot too. That well, it's a plus thirty four. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it was plus thirty four. They were playing like, uh, like Liberty, and it's like, come on. <laughs> exactly. Well, like I love teams that play hard because then you know with these huge spreads you can bet them and they'll cover. They'll cover easy money for Adam Glick and I, and that's what we're here for. Maximize the highest and best use of your time watching football. Time is money. All right. Uh, what do you think about Navy? What's their win total? Navy. The easiest part of their day is football practice. Yeah, honestly. I uh, like Navy. They're a fun team to to root for, but they're definitely – you talk about developmental, they're going through it right now. Yeah, and, and I really do not like getting rid of Coach Ken uh, – uh, I, I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, Mont- Montalopo or something. Yeah. All right, he was there 15 years. He was there for Paul Johnson. They're experts in the wishbone, which you have to run at a service academy. I, it hasn't worked out, and I like. I don't care if you know. We're not making adjustment. We're we're making money, and I've made a lot of money, Adam, betting against. And I did with the San Diego Chargers, right? Where the Buffalo's running back coach is suddenly your head coach, right? This guy was, and I remember in Tampa Bay, talking to NFL players, where Richard Williamson was a receivers coach. Next thing you know, he's the head coach. If you're not a coordinator. Uh, whether you're smart or not, you just don't get the respect of the players. Mm-hmm. You're suddenly this guy was a wide receivers coach. Now he's the head coach. 
He wasn't even a coordinator. He's a head coach in Navy. I don't know what the administration is thinking about at Navy. Uh, they return. Their see. defense will be good. Right. The question is, they score on offense. Right. So you got to look at that Notre Dame game, the spread in that, uh, them covering, because they, they're they they're scheming against, they play them every year. And they're scheming against them. And you talk about the clock change, too. Right. And Coach Freeman was a coordinator for uh, one year at Notre Dame and one year at Cincinnati. So he's only a coordinator for two years. Marcus Freeman was a smart guy, but he was only a coordinator for two years. And now he's the head coach at Notre Dame. I think they've underachieved a little bit. Uh, even though, you know, for Notre Dame standards, he's a defensive coach. I love the under. In that first game in Ireland, right? In Dublin, Ireland. I love the under in that. Uh, what's the win total for Navy? And what are your thoughts? Six, which is high. I didn't think it would be six, but that is what I'm seeing right now on my book. Uh, also a little uh, juiced for the over. Looking at their schedule, it's not the most challenging. They avoid some of the top teams, as we've already mentioned here on this show, in UTSA and Tulane. They don't have too many guaranteed wins. Wagner obviously is one of them. They'll be favored against U.S. They have any guaranteed wins? Oh yeah, other than Wagner. Yeah. Um, Memphis, don't... USF, USF. I you know I'm being a homer, so I'll let you talk about yeah. USF. Uh, North Texas first year coach, Charlotte first year coach, Air Force. They could go either way. At Temple, Coach Drayton's in his second year. Uh, that could go either way at UAV. That would be three guaranteed wins. East Carolina, maybe four. Uh, SMU, then Army. So you only have four guaranteed wins. Yeah, I. This is t- another. You know, a lot of the g- teams that we've already talked about, we've had strong plays for their over or the under. But th- this is, I believe, our second team where I might not play. No clear edge. No clear edge. So, you know, if you're smart, better. If there's no clear edge, just stay away. Six, I think this, honestly, I think they'll hit right around their number. It's six. It could go either way. That's why the odds are pretty similar towards the over and the under. Uh, If you want to play it, I would lean under. I hit their, one of the teams I hit really well. I had a few units on last year and Navy's under. Um, But this year is a little different, obviously. And it's a little concerning for me. That because of the talent level, uh, that it in the new coach too, and it's still sitting at six. It's concerning for me, so it screams stay away, in my opinion. Big time, big time. I like from a corporate governance standpoint. You always do your research for the game, right? Yeah. Rule of betting: don't bet your own team. Number two, always do your research. But pending research, October first, twenty first, Air Force, and then the Army Navy game. I think it's a big coaching mismatch. Air Force has a great Hall of Fame type coach. Mm-hmm. So this Army, right? Malkin, uh, his brother, offensive coordinator back in the NFL, won uh, two national titles with Georgia, right? Great coaching family. Big coaching mismatch. He has a wide receivers coach, that was a head coach. And all he those games, 
all the armed forces games, they always come down to one or a few plays, very right. low scoring over, always bet those unders. Those are crazy oh, easy at the percentage. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And it doesn't matter how low the number is. You still right. bet the under. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, I favor army and air force. So I lean under if I'm going to take a side here, but I think there's not a clear edge. So I'm going to stay away. Right. Big time. Big time. That's, that's neat. All right, the North Texas Mean Green. Uh, they had a great coach before. I don't think they should have fired him. And this is something, an interesting thing I want that you can speak to. Uh, that's interesting to me, right? The Fratetta family. They have they have twenty three billion dollars. They're on the border regions of North Texas and the University of Houston. Uh, they funded the stadium. He wrote a check. The Fratetta brother graduated from North Texas. Wrote a check for. Eight, I think it was $100 million for the North Texas Stadium. They're paying all that NIL money. And the same thing happens at Texas. You know, uh, Red McCombs, who left. But you have several multi-billionaires on the Texas border regions that kind of control the program and fired Tom Herman, right? They didn't like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why he's fired, right? Uh, their influence on these programs. Uh, Seth Luttrell... It was a great recruiter on offense. They have eight guys coming back on offense, seven on defense. He was really good at roster management. They have 157 career starts on the offensive line. And they have seven teams coming back on defense. And this team was seven and seven last year. Uh, I'm concerned with the corporate government. Eric Morris, 37 years old. Was it incarnate word? He has good ties to the state of Texas. Yeah, he can recruit the state of Texas. He was at Washington State. He was the offensive coordinator there. He brought his quarterback from incarnate word. Again, marginal utility, the Southland Conference there in Texas. That's a good conference from BFCS. They're a really good conference. They have McNeese State, you know, they have a, you know, Louisiana, Texas connection. But I'm concerned about him being the first year coach here. Mm-hmm. He, basically brought his friends in as assistant coaches. What's the win total for them? And what are your thoughts on uh, the mean green? Yeah, they're, they're win, yeah, their win total sitting at six right now. Um, I actually am big proponent of Morris. I mean, that's a little biased just because I like in-state guys uh, with yeah. Texas and he has Texas tech ties. He played college football there. Uh, okay, Mike Leach. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, he spent time with incarnate Ward who's an up-and-coming smaller school in the non-Division One ranks. But uh, they they return a decent chunk offensively and defensively, respectively. I think this is a little bit of a sleeper team. Their win totals at six. Looking at the schedule, I, I kind of like the over here in this spot. I think they're – I mean, in the month of September. What's their win total for uh, Migri? Six. Six. Yeah, over. I I really like this over. I mean, I'm looking at this. that right after this. After yeah. and you have to do because I did pre research and now looking at it, I kind of changed my mind. Definitely over. There's a clear let because I think they could beat Cal. I like, and Cal it's at home. Cal. It's awesome as they right. get to play that game at home. But looking at you know, you always want to see some of the games that are out of conference because that also right. can really tell you early on what's going to happen with your win totals in college football. Um, and I'm looking at this non-conference in the month of September. Listen, there are no guaranteed wins again, except Abilene Christian, but 
those three games, I think they'll be favored in all three of them. Maybe they'll be a slight underdog at Law Tech, but I do think this team will win at least six. That's the key. We talked about this earlier. If you think they will at least push, it is worthwhile to bet the over. And I think six, I see this team at least winning six games. Um, and I think they could do it early on too. They have a difficult schedule down the stretch. Don't get me wrong, right. but they could get to six in October. And then you just need one more in the month of November, which they have a really hard schedule in November, but they could easily win one of the four games in the month of November. They just need to start off strong. That's the key. But I do think this team should be sitting at at least five wins in the middle of October. Big time. And then when two offensive coaches go against each other, you got to bet the over. So I love I love the over. You know, you always do your research before the game, but I love the over at FMU, at Tulsa. Kevin Wilson is an offensive guy, uh, especially late in the season where the defenses start to deplete. Uh, yeah, at, at FMU, at Tulsa, at UAB, Trent Delfer, right? See what mm-hmm. Trent Delfer is as a coach. That should be a guaranteed win. At Tulsa, first-year coach, that might be two. Abilene Christian is three. FIU should be four. Yeah. Cal, five. Uh, and then winning two two and six in the rest of the games. I like that. Uh, the key, though, they have to – I mean, that's the thing. It's going to be scary when the first game means so much for this win right. total. they got to beat Cal at home. What is – what's your thought? Because you've been in both worlds. You live in San Diego. San Diego has the perfect weather. Yeah, September the second in Dallas, Hot. Texas. That Hot. second half isn't that a guaranteed second half line? Mean green. <laughs> yeah, and in, in, I'm putting good money on that. And how often, you know, do non-power fives get to play power five teams? I don't care right. who it is at home. You know, that is their Super Bowl. For, right. And it helps so much for recruiting. They're going to be up through the moon that game. That place is going to be sold out. They're going to be ready to go. I love betting the non-Power 5 teams you see in college basketball all the time. If right. you get a home game against a Power 5 school that's maybe not a top-tier Power 5 school, I love betting at least the spread. I think the spread's going to be right around close to even right. in that game. Um, I love North Texas. That second half line, man. You got to love pounding. Because the weather's so nice in the Bay Area. Again, Coach Wilcox, he he's in a precarious situation. Uh, he has to keep things in the back pocket for the Pac-12 season. He's not going to have a full defensive game plan against a good coach like this. I love the mean green that second half. Yeah, much more motivation. Towards, yeah, much more, more motivation for the mean green. And, you know, that with a win like that, it really can just ignite the team and right. through the rest of the season. That's why I love this win total over. And for me personally – even if they don't get the over, I think they'll push so you won't lose. All right. Eight coming back on offense. This guy's a genius offensive coach. Seven on defense. So I love the overs. And I love the over the win total. I love it. There's a clear edge for it. For for Texan. They're built in. They get marginal utility. Uh Dorkovich, Joker, 0.001. Uh swing percentage goes from 200th in the world to be one of the greatest of all time. Same thing goes for college football. I saw USF go to Auburn and beat Auburn at Auburn. Not uncommon. Tulane beats USC. Goes up and down the field, gets 600 yards of offense. Yeah. So this, <laughs> this, 
<laughs> I love the labels because it fools people and makes us money. Uh, Adam, but it, they don't mean anything. <laughs> no, group of five, group of five. It's because you have the name doesn't mean anything. Great, big time, big time. And that's your North Texas being green, man. Very excited. I'm getting excited doing this podcast. It's I know. Like, I I kind of just want to bet everything that we've talked about already. Yeah, we're gonna do it. No, yeah, for real, for real. <laughs> we'll track it. I'll add you to our spreadsheet, college football spreadsheet, man. Okay, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we'll go from there. We go to the Temple House, Coach Stan Drayton, another Urban Meyer uh, disciple. They have a very, very uh, – except for Tom Herman, but they've all failed as head coaches. Other than Tom Herman, everybody else has a really bad uh, win percentage. Again, Urban Meyer did not let Stan do much coaching. He's a recruiter, not an X's and O's guy, knows nothing about X's and O's. He hires guys that know X's and O's. He wow. recruited Cam Newton, right? So it's not a character guy. So he recruits Cam Newton of Florida for Meyer. Mm-hmm. And Cam Newton starts stealing laptops and selling them on eBay. Uh, Den- Denzel Ward, he recruited him, Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Rainey, the Pouncey brothers, Keontae Ingram, Paris Campbell. So out of the recruiting tale, he's a great judge of talent. He's a great recruiter. X's and O's, he's going to lean on Danny Lungsford, who's an X's and O's guy. Uh, he coached for the Chicago Bears and for your Texas Longhorns. Your Texas Longhorns. He was there when you were there as a mm-hmm. coach for Texas. Uh, and then his defensive coordinator, the guy who's coached at Oregon State, been in the NFL. So he has great coaches that's going to know those guys. He brings back nine on defense, seven back on offense. What's their win total? What do you think, Adam Blake? Their win total is sitting at five and a half right now with a little bit of juice towards the under. Um, there's a lot of turnover within this roster. They're kind of just on the come up. They showed some signs of progress in the last few games in the month of November, but they only won three games. So they've right. been a really bad team. Overall, it's at five and a half, which is a big number for this team, given what their recent performance and success has been the last few years. Um, you know, I just don't know how much of a of a fan I am of Stan Drain that he's a good coach. Uh, I just don't know great about recruiter. How... I don't know about his X's and O's. Yeah, he nine last year. He's a running backs coach, so that means yonder, like at Rokers to get Triano. That's that's screaming to me. Yonder, uh, Akron, they should win Norfolk State. What's their win total for? No, their win total is five and a half. I love the under. Five. Yeah, so the guaranteed wins Akron. They should beat Akron, which is not guaranteed. They had a guy who used to coach at Penn State, offensive coordinator, was head coach of Mississippi State. They could lose to Akron. But they really only have two games where you they're going to be double-digit favorites. In. Right. They can lose all the rest of them. They can go two and – yeah. Yeah, so that that could go either way because I think the surprise. I mean, they play all these first year head coaches at Tulsa, first year head coach at right. Texas is probably a loss. Navy at UAB. Yeah, I like you. I I like it under. I just can't see them getting half. six wins though. I don't know if that schedule screams six wins, so I like the it under. Have to be Akron, Norfolk State, Tulsa, yeah, four more. Navy, USF. That gets five. you the. That gets you the four. Right. Yeah. UAB five. 
So there's no clear edge. Right. No clear edge with Temple. Just watch him. But the clear edge to me is the under. I like under at Rutgers, Miami. Cristobal is a line coach. He gets a running back coach. Throw the game with the with the offensive line. Miami looks like an under game. Uh, at USF, at UAB, that bet Temple towards the under. All right, and to respect your time, the bottom feeders. Uh, we'll do Rice, and then the rest of them will group them. Right? Yeah. Uh, Rice, the the hardball football mafia family, the running game is always going to be good. Uh, they, you know, they've been close to getting bull eligible. Uh, they have ninety four starts on the on the offensive line coming back, and you have GT, JT Daniels, right? Houston area, but they're an engineering school, hard to get into. They can't recruit everybody. They're kind of like Stanford and Vanderbilt and that. Uh, in that vein, love them, love the under with these people. Uh, certain games they're just going under, right? At Texas, probably will go under. Uh, East Carolina, Connecticut, defensive coach, Coach Mora, that screams the under. Uh, at Charlotte, what's their win total? What do you think about the Rice Owls? You don't like them. I don't ten. like them, but their win total is very small, and that's <laughs> so yeah, I am right. That's four and a half. Um, They'll go over. Clear. Yeah. Um, I I like them to win five games. This is All a right. team I probably won't play too much into. Maybe I I will bet it, but one unit at most for this right. no, uh, no. win total. They're not beating Texas. Houston betting a- as much as the other we talked about today. Yeah, um, Houston's a winnable game. Um, Texas Southern, obviously, that's a win that they should have. Um, right. But, you you know, I don't know how many guaranteed wins really are on this schedule. Um, but, yeah, it's I think it's... Right. Texas Southern and Charlotte could be two games they should definitely win. Texas Southern yeah. and Charlotte is definitely win. At USF. See, USF is a team that will lose early and should win late. That's mm-hmm. my take. But I'm very heavily biased. Early in the season, it should be a disaster. And they're playing us after we play Alabama. So teams that play Michigan, Alabama, yeah, they get beat up. They usually lose the next two or three weeks after that. At Tulsa first year head coach, that's four. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, I, I lean over. I think they can get to five games, but this is another team where I'm just not – I'm probably going to stay away from. I think they'll win either four games or five games, so it's going to be very close to that win total. Right, so there's no clear edge. Yeah. In a other than the unders. you got to look if it's inflated total. People just bidding totals because they're drunk on a Saturday. Yeah. Look the right schemes to go under because they're Harbaugh football family, run first mentality. Uh, it's going to be easier for JT Daniels, but I don't want to. He doesn't want to think, take too many chances because he wants to get into the NFL. Of course, he's not going to take a lot of chances. All right, so the last four teams: you got UAB, you got Charlotte, USF, and Tulsa. Right. So to group them, uh, Trent Dilfer, big unknown. Looks like a disaster, and he really did not bring in the type of uh, coaching he needs. The defensive coordinator is like a like a high school coach. So basically, Trent Dilfer is a high school coach, 
with UAB, what is their win total for UAB? Five. That of the group of the groups, um, I agree. I you know, of those group teams, I don't know how much I love betting any of their win totals. I definitely would favor the under with UAB. That's probably the strongest feel that three coming back on offense, four on defense. They only have 13 starts on the offensive line. He's going to get out coach. Gomer Helton will out coach him. At, yeah, because... Georgia, at Tulane, uh, UTSA is going to get out coached. Memphis out coached. Uh, FAU out coached. And then at North Texas out coached. So I don't see, yeah, I like their under. There's no way they're getting in five games. Well, yeah. And even if, again, another, you know, whole number, there's no way they're getting six games. So yeah. you're not losing if you take the under at five. So. No. I, I like the under as well. Um, I, I would bet, I would definitely bet this. The other teams, it's hard. I don't love betting on win totals when like teams' win totals are like at two and three. Right, right. You just gotta let it go. Yeah, those other teams that you mentioned, I don't have strong. Bro, it's another disaster, right? No head coaching experience. <laughs> Basically, a high school coach. How hard is it to be an analyst for the Harbaugh Mafia family, right? <laughs> They have the agents, they, they they control recruits, they control high schools. You know, they get a pipeline to the NFL with Baltimore. That's why JT Daniels is a rice. They could go fit in with Baltimore. They're a complete disaster. Charlotte, just stay away from Charlotte games. They're like bad people you stay away from. Yeah. Um, USF, I'm biased. But again, no head coaching experience. He just recruited the Tampa Bay area, which isn't hard. It's 10 deep at every position. <laughs> right? So you got to do one out of 10 to get him to go to Tennessee, right? SEC school. How hard mm-hmm. can that be? He's proven nothing. Todd Orlando. What are your thoughts about Todd Orlando? Todd Orlando gets fired as a defensive coordinator at Texas. How does that happen with as much talent as Texas has? And he got fired. Uh, the other place he was at, too. It's because the defense was a disaster. That's why. I mean, they gave up. A- 30 plus points in the big 12 every week. And uh, the, honestly, it wasn't even that bad. It was just, they would give up so many explosive plays that right. the point. Total, knows guy, right? Yeah. The point total would just get skewed a little bit. Um, I, I'm, I actually think USF's trending in the right direction. I don't know a ton about this team, but you know, there's just a lot of unknowns with USF. And like you mentioned, they're a second half team. So you know right, how because, much of a because, yeah, how much of a hole are they going to dig themselves in? You know, halfway through the year, the Tampa Bay area, the surrounding layer up to Georgia is ten deep at every position, right? So you should be able to develop them. I like his attitude. I'm just not sold on him yet. How did you get fired, Tyro? Todd Orlando was a bad sign. You know, red flag. You're dating someone, and there's a red flag. Red flag where you get fired as a defense coordinator of Texas and US two blood blue bloods where you get in primo talent, you get fired from both places. Why hire this guy? Uh he's horrible at the XSNO. He can recruit, but how hard is it to recruit in the Tampa Bay area? Florida, one of the top five states for recruiting. That was a red flag with USF. Personally, for me, I don't know how they get to five wins. Their win total is at four and a half. I don't know how they get to five based on the schedule. And what's the win total for your Tulsa Golden Hurricanes? Uh, you got Kevin Wilson, 
He did good at Indiana with no talent. Uh, he's bringing a good staff in there. You have vibes on defense for an offense. It really does seem like a developmental. He got hired late there, which doesn't mean as much as he did before. He'll bring in a lot of new guys, but he has to work at it. I think it's going to take a couple of years because he's not a people person. Yeah. So it's hard for him to communicate. Um, I agree. Uh, their win totals, same thing as USF, four and a half. Yeah. Um, pretty even both sides. I'm looking at their schedule. They're not beating Washington. They're not beating Oklahoma. So those are two losses. They'll beat Pine Bluff. Uh, NIU's no easy team, especially on the road. Um, Temple at home, possible. They're not beating FAU on the road. Rice at home, definitely can win that. SMU, they won't win. Charlotte, they can win. So I'm looking at three. Norte, yeah, I think they they sit around that win total. I would I would definitely bet the under. I think they'll win four games personally. Um, but I would say when because uh, we're grouping these teams. Right. If you're going to bet all the bottom feeders here in the American, you have to figure out who, like if you're, there's three teams, like basically at the bottom, Charlotte, Tulsa, USF, I guess four, maybe Rice. Those right. are the four bottom teams. you got to figure out what team is the best of those four. Personally, for me, I think it's going to be Rice. Um of those four, I or I should say UAB is also grouped in there. UAB is going to be the best of those teams. Uh, so I would definitely look at UAB, but we like the under. Honestly, the just the line so small with these totals. Right. Uh, Tulsa, I would lean under as well. And the other thing I was going, my point was going to be like, you got to pick one team to bet the over in the group, but be based on these new schedules and there's so many teams in conference or in American athletic now with 13 or 14 teams that they don't play each other, all of them. So you don't need to really say, you know, you got to bet this team's over and you got to bet this team's under. You could really pick your spots in favor of some of these unders. So I think betting in the under with Tulsa is a good spot because their schedule is pretty daunting and, they have a lot of guaranteed slash lock losses on their schedule. Really, at Washington and Oklahoma, they're going to be really beat up at Northern Illinois. Yeah, I think they'll be one in three going into the Temple game. And, and you got to look at these offensive guys, the guy yourself, uh, and Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson only cares about offense. So, at Washington, two offensive co coaches – looking at each other, when you start your basis for doing research on that game, you got to think over the total. You might want to bet over the total early in that week. Oklahoma, defensive coach, not guaranteed. But at FAU, two offensive guys going against each other, that screams the over. At SMU, Coach uh, Lashley, right, because they're like, put it on the offense. I'll, I'll score you. At SMU, uh, North Texas, late in the season when the defense is depleted. You got to look at, at the over in that game. All right, final thought, Ben and Blick, man. This is a lot of fun, man. A lot of money made. I know. I, I had a blast, and I can't wait for big you know my wheelhouse a little bit. Well, <laughs> next week, I'll have some definitely uh, some hot takes, but this was a lot of fun. Very educational. I'm just going back and forth with you and learning, yeah. you know, 
kind of your mindset and i mean you know i i know it's your show but i'm i'm gonna promote it's it your show think, too, man. yeah it's, it's our i mean show. i just think that if you listen to both of us in this conference alone like we've had a lot of success respectively the last year so i mean i'd love like all literally that when i get off this call i have to go somewhere but before i'm gonna do that i'm gonna bet all these totals that we oh, discussed exactly. that we like. do the same thing and because i think we're gonna make a lot of money in this conference. I love this conference. I had a lot of fun, um, but I just want to say thank you. Um, and I hope the listeners really take our advice and be smart betters and really listen to the teams because we, we didn't just tell you every team bet their win, you know, they're over right. or under. We had thoughts of specific teams and we we both said of teams that you should stay away from. So that's why, you know, we're not just the you know, throw your money at every single thing you see on the board. Right. We're like financial analysts when you see CNBC, Bloomberg TV, and you have a basis, but real intelligence, situational intelligence. Mm -hmm. and you're from a younger generation, you understand people your age group a lot better than I do. You've talked to players on the team at Texas, man. A lot of great insight and a lot of like mind melting and learning. And exciting to build the success. And people listen to all over the country year four. We got a lot of super fans with the alerts on the podcast. So a lot of fun to be had. And next week is the Big 12. So whenever you give one, you always get 10 back. And I was close with Winston Churchill. You make wow. a living mm -hmm. <laughs> from your labor, but you make your life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the SGC Podcast Network. It's network for a reason. That's why this one goes cost $800, and that goes to us. And I don't know what that cost, I'm just shaking the word. That's why.